Hey guys, this is Scott Ardella, author of The Edge of Strength, and you're listening to episode number 180 of the Ardella Training Podcast. In this week's episode, Dr. Stacy Sims joins the show. Stacy is an environmental exercise physiologist, nutrition scientist, author, and specialist in performance nutrition and gender differences in athletes. Now, whether you're male or female, you're definitely going to want to hear about the gender differences here in the approach to nutrition and training. As a matter of fact, you may want to listen to this session a few times to fully absorb the information that Stacy shares with us. So with that, guys, we're going to jump right into the interview this week and get started. Enjoy the interview with Dr. Stacy Sims. All right. This week, I'm excited to have Stacy Sims join the show. Stacy is the author of an amazing new book that we're going to discuss here in just a few minutes. Now, Stacy Sims, PhD, is an environmental exercise physiologist and nutrition scientist specializing in sex differences in response to exercise, heat stress, recovery, and nutritional adaptations for health, body composition, and maximizing performance. So, Stacy, that's the formal stuff. Thank you so much for being here. And I know that we'd all love to hear a little bit more about your background, your journey with health, fitness, and peak performance. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. Um, it's it's been interesting, I'd say. Uh, all of my, I guess, research and work has been stemming from when I was a competitive athlete and asking questions, uh, saying, you know, why is this stuff not working for me and my female teammates when you get presented with training programs and nutrition and ideas and stuff, and you just don't do very well. You see your male counterparts and they're leaning up and they're getting stronger and they're recovering well. And then you look at what's happening to um, you and your female teammates and going, well, how come this isn't, this isn't going? And so I would start asking questions in classes and I'd get the same thing. Well, we don't know enough about men to study women. Women are anomaly. They have this thing called a menstrual cycle and we can't really study them. And it was very frustrating. So as I uh, you know, went through my academic career and really looking at what is what and who is who, really pushing sex differences and then answering those questions for me, because it all comes about me <laughs> when I was racing, <laughs> right. um, to be able to really pin down that extra 2% that, um, that's really needed. I wonder if you could talk about maybe some, some of the things that you just said there in the opening part. Talk about maybe some of your frustrations as an athlete. <laughs> Um, I think it's, it more has to do with when a coach or someone talks about menstrual cycle, they don't really talk about it. They're like, oh yeah, well all the women, cause I started as a rower, all the women in the boat must be on the same cycle cause they all get grumpy around the same time. <laughs> you know, oh, it's yeah. inherent and that's kind of how it's talked about. And if I go into room now to give a talk, I make everyone say the word period to their neighbor and the coaches turn bright red and it's like well you should be able to talk about this to your athletes and that was kind of the stemming of my frustration is you'd have this thing and you're like oh I feel really flat and I feel bloated and I can't perform and I can't hit intensities and when you're trying to um, you know do time trials and, and such like that for a seat in the boat if you happen to miss it because you're having this issue with five days before your period not being able to hit intensities you get frustrated because you think it's not your, you know, something's wrong. You're not training hard enough. You're not recovering well. But no one really explained, well, actually, 
it's your physiology. It's your estrogen and progesterone that's, that's inhibiting you from hitting your max performance. But there are some things that you can do. Um, and so I really started asking these questions. And the crust of it was when I was racing Ironman um, later after, after school and, and stuff. And I was racing for New Zealand in Hawaii at the World Champs. And and I was fine up, up to a point. And then I really got hyponatremic and was going, well, what's going on? I've done everything right. We all climatized well. We're all following the same nutrition program. And later talking to other teammates, female teammates, those of us in the high hormone phase had extreme difficulties in the heat. And the ones who were in the low hormone phase didn't, even though we had done the same kind of preparation and everything. So that kind of stemmed my PhD going, okay, well, why is there this difference? And really started looking at men, women, oral contraceptive pill, natural cycle, and really trying to figure out what was going on. All right. So this is setting the stage for... Uh, really, your book, and so I want let's let's take a step back. I'm gonna uh, we haven't talked about the title of your book and, and really what it is. So let's start there, and this is gonna lead into everything that we're gonna talk about as we dig down deeper into this conversation. So your new book is titled Roar: How to Match Your Food and Fitness to Your Unique Female Physiology for Optimum Performance, Great Health, and a Strong Lean Body for Life. Now, the first question I want to ask you for maybe the male listeners that are listening to this, is this a book just for women? No, it's not. <laughs> and when I say, you know, I'm really pushing women and sex differences, it's not that I'm downplaying men. It's I'm trying to elevate the knowledge of women and women's physiology so that small training programs program tweaks and nutrition tweaks can be done for the woman to be able to maximize what's happening with her physiology. Um, so I'm not like women are better than men or anything like that. I'm just really trying to, to get the knowledge up there. So this book is for anyone who has a girlfriend, a partner, a sister, um, you know, coaches females, anybody who has any kind of involvement with an active female um, to really just bring up that information. Um, one of the frustrations I get in my practice is I have women who come in and say, oh, I'm following intermittent fasting or paleo with my husband and he's leaning up and he's getting stronger and fitter, but I'm putting on body fat. Why is that? And this is one of those inherent sex differences where women do not do well on, on really low carbohydrate diets. Yeah. So I guess I should have asked you that question pre-interview, but I'm glad you answered it the way you did. And that was my feeling as I saw the book and started to, to look through your book is, you know, obviously this is written for women, but it's not just for women because men need to uh, read this and understand uh, your concepts that we're going to talk about here if they're dealing with female athletes, female clients. And so, so everybody benefits here. So uh, I'm glad that um, you answered that the, the way you did. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I think it'll be really, really helpful for, for everybody listening. So tell us about the book, kind of what is the big idea, the big, uh, message of Roar and what, what are you hoping that this book will do differently, uh, compared to other similar books that may be out there? Um, so uh, actually when this all started, I, I didn't really imagine having a book, um, because I, 
been in industry and academia and writing articles and working with top female athletes. And like I said, my whole background has been about helping me and my teammates and other female athletes. But along the way, I met Celine Yeager, who is a high profile um, journalist for fitness magazines, bicycling, all this kind of stuff. And she's been involved in quite a few of my training camps and ideas and have practiced a lot of the stuff that I've helped her with. And she came to me and she's like, you know what, Stace, instead of like giving a seminar here and there and, and explaining things and writing blogs and writing journal articles, let's put it all together and pitch it and see if we can come up with a, a book to put it all together because no one else is talking about this. And more and more female athletes are asking the question, and there's there's so much misinformation out there, but you have this information, so let's do it. So she pitched it to Rodell, and then all of a sudden we're writing a book. Um, so the whole scope of it is really everything I've worked on in the past 20-some-odd years of trying to get the education out. Uh, I'm very science-based, and I don't want to make a claim without the science backing. And this is a way for people to be able to get into the science literature without actually having to be able to read a science study. Because um, Celine was fantastic working her magic of taking all my science speak and reading the PDFs and everything and translating into a very easy-to-read, comprehensive book that anyone could read. What would you say, what, what are the big considerations that we need to understand when dealing with female clients, athletes? And maybe you've touched on these already in what we've discussed, but what, what are the big things that we really need to understand? Um, so we're not all textbook, but I will use a textbook um, example. Women have a 28-day menstrual cycle phase, and the first two weeks are low hormone. And what I mean by that is the first day of bleeding is the first day of your low hormone phase. And during this time, you have low estrogen, progesterone, and we're more like men where we can access carbohydrate, we can hit intensities, um, and we can perform like what people think we can. But then we have ovulation and a high hormone phase where estrogen and progesterone go up. And this is the part where people don't talk about it. Because when you have estrogen and progesterone that are elevated, there are so many different physiological changes that your body undergoes to adapt to these higher hormones. Because it's not just reproductive hormones that we're talking about. We're talking about hormones that interfere and have some kind of aspect from the kidney to the brain to carbohydrate metabolism to core temperature to sodium um, retention, and all of these things come into play. What I mean by that is like when you have elevated estrogen at the onset of ovulation and at the about 10 days before your period starts, we can't access carbohydrate, store carbohydrate very well. So our intensity is a bit dampened. And <clears throat> estrogen spares carbohydrate and, and allows us to use more free fatty acids. So people think, oh, well, that's great. You can do a long, slow distance workout. But it's not because we still can't get that upper intensity and our heart rate is a little bit higher and our workload is a little bit lower. So this begins to play a little bit in in the whole, like, is it my fitness? Am I having um, a bad day? What's going on? And then we have progesterone on the other side and progesterone increases your core temperature by 0.5 degrees Celsius. Uh, it's very catabolic. So we have a harder time to lean up and build muscle. 
um, it also increases the amount of sodium that we kick out. So women are more predisposed to hyponatremia. And we have these fluid shifts where we lose 8% of our plasma volume, so we have less blood circulating for thermoregulation. So all of these things really impact the top athletes. But if we're looking at a recreational woman who's trying to get fit and lean up and get stronger and, and perhaps um, you know run a 5K race instead of PR, they impact the ability to train and get those training adaptations. And that's really what this is about, is how do you improve the stress that's happening during exercise to get that training adaptation so that you can recover, get fitter, get faster. And it's a stepwise increment. Let's go back to what you said earlier and let's look at the the menstrual cycle. What are your recommendations for training and nutrition? So you explained it and and you did touch on that, but so are, are you saying that Let's say a female athlete who's going through, let's just say, a strength program. Would her strength program, and let's just use it as an example, let's say a powerlifting program for the sake Mm -hmm. of conversation, would she need to adjust her training and nutrition during that first phase where uh, she has low hormone production? Not really. The only only real thing across the board that a woman needs to be Uh, very careful about. And I'll get to the high hormone part in a bit is, um, we have a shorter recovery window. So when you hear about the chocolate milk campaign, or, you know, you have 45 minutes to an hour to get carbohydrate and protein in, and it's all done on men. And if we look specifically what's happening during exercise, women have a, about a 30 minute window to really increase the leucine, um, concentration in the muscle. And you need to do that in order to turn on muscle adaptation and reparation. Uh, So women across the board either need to have five to seven grams of branched-chain amino acids within 30 minutes or a good 20 to 25 um, gram hit of high-quality protein within 30 minutes. That takes care of the muscle adaptation, but then the other thing is it opens up your total recovery window from a total of 90 minutes as compared to men's three hours to up to two hours. So across the board, women have much shorter recovery window and need to pay attention to that. Um, No, I was going to say that's interesting because really, um, see, what you're talking about now is is nutrient timing. And so what you're saying is that uh, the the metabolic window, I think is what you're saying, is much shorter and much more important for women than it is for men. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, for sure. And then – I really say the biggest issue with high hormone phase is the five to seven days before a period starts. And this is where um, women doing a pure strength program, Olympic lifting, that kind of stuff needs to be uh, very acutely aware that um, cognition is a little bit off. Reaction time is off. She's more lax. Uh, and the fact that there's a little bit more of the relaxin and oxytocin that also increases with estrogen progesterone. So there's more predisposition to ACL injuries, um, other joint injuries. And you can mitigate this a little bit by taking branched chain amino acids before and after. And I say this not from Uh, nutrient timing point of view, but for the fact that the BCAAs also cross blood-brain barrier and attach to the same receptor sites as estrogen, so it it delays central nervous system fatigue as opposed to not using it where your central nervous system fatigue increases at a much faster rate. Let's take this back again to to practical application 
during that five to seven days? What, what would be the uh, advice or guidance for the uh, for that time period that you just talked about, premenstrual? Yeah, pre. Um, so this is where your core temperature is up, and um, you know you can't access carbohydrates. So if I'm looking um, for conversation's sake, a woman who's doing Olympic program, Olympic lifting program, and say she has two sessions. Um, one might be technique and another might be, you know, pure, pure weight aspects. Uh, before the technique session, because you don't want to invoke tired muscle patterns, this is where five grams of branched-chain amino acids in a low-carbohydrate electrolyte drink would be very beneficial about 30 minutes before she, she goes into her technique session. Then after that, um, she could have another five to seven grams of branched-chain amino acids because it's not really about calorie or anything like that or replacing because it's just a technique session. So it's more about hydration and um, keeping that central nervous system fatigue down. Then when she goes in for her, her heavy lifting session and it's not technique per se, this is where having, again, the branched-chain amino acids and then during the actual lifting session, having some glucose tablets. The reason why I say glucose tablets is it is a quick hit of sugar, which brings your blood sugar up so that although estrogen is making you use more fatty acids and you can't hit intensities, having that extra little bit of blood sugar is going to allow her to hit those higher intensities so that she can lift in accordance to her program so that she's garnering fitness adaptations. Then after that heavy lifting session, really getting that 20 to 25 grams of high quality protein in. Is there a specific type of uh, protein that you prefer for most of your uh, people that you work with? Um, yeah, I mean, I am encountering a lot more vegans. And I explained to them that if you have 50 grams of soy or 50 grams of rice protein, that is equivalent to 25 grams of whey bioavailability. So I'm not a fan of vegan proteins. It's just not enough leucine in it. Uh, whey isolate is great, especially after. And if you're not going with, um, you know, like a protein powder or something, one of the best recovery foods out there is actually non-fat Greek yogurt. And I say non-fat. And as opposed to the higher percent fats right after training so that it gets out of your stomach quickly and into the system to get your protein, um, your mixed proteins, get your magnesium, your calcium, your potassium, all of those things that your body needs to rehydrate and to turn on um, your muscle adaptation and reparation. So you've mentioned leucine a couple times, which I think is really fascinating. I wonder if you can give us maybe... Uh, Kind of a synopsis of what the research shows about leucine. First of all, what, what is leucine? And then what, how does it benefit uh, women compared to men? Is there a difference? I mean, this is something that we all need, uh, especially for training, but right. key differences, men and women. Um, so leucine is a key branch chain amino acid. So that means that it is something that we can't necessarily fabricate from other amino acids that are in our body. So it's an essential amino acid and it's a specialized um, molecular form is what's called branch chain. And when we look from a muscle tissue standpoint, you need a certain amount of leucine in the muscle tissue to turn on what's called MTOR. And this is the signaling to start your muscle reparation. And women tend to use a little bit more leucine during training, 
regardless of what they're doing than men. Um, and in conjunction of using a little bit more leucine with progesterone, which is very catabolic and increases muscle cell turnover and increases cortisol, you need to be able to stop that uh, in order to really turn on this MTOR and turn on your muscle adaptation and reparation. So this is why I keep talking about leucine in women. Uh, the timing of it and the amount of it is is very critical for a woman who's trying to gain muscle, gain strength, and lose body fat. Because if you have an elevated level of cortisol that isn't dampened down by taking in your protein, there's quite a few different things that can happen. Uh, cortisol, we know, is your signaling to put on body fat, especially abdominal adiposity. It's a stress hormone, and that can interfere with your appetite. Um, ghrelin leptin uh, hormones. The other thing is, in order to keep cortisol being elevated and produced, uh, your body will, quote, steal estrogen and progesterone to produce cortisol, and this can lead to, lead to menstrual dysfunction. So it's not just looking at the muscular aspect of what leucine does, but the greater aspect of what happens with this whole quagmire of, of hormones that are released during exercise. Now, for men, you don't have all this extra cortisol, estrogen, progesterone kind of quagmire that I've been talking about, but you also need leucine. You just have oh, a longer window to get that muscle tissue level up than women do. Got it. And what are the general uh, guidelines as far as grams around training for leucine, women and men? Um, so it comes down to more quality protein per se rather than grams of leucine. Okay. If we're looking specifically in and around training, um, you know, I really try to get women to think about when you're going in a high hormone phase, getting about that five grams, seven gram of branched chain amino acids, which gives you around two to two and a half grams of leucine before training. Afterwards, looking between 25 and 30 grams of a high-quality protein. So this would be your um, your whey isolate or your Greek yogurt kind of thing where it's a very high leucine content. And overall, women should be looking at uh, 1.9 to 2.3 grams of protein per kilogram of body weight a day spread out across the day. <clears throat> As for men, um, it's... A little bit of a lower dose of protein right after exercise because, again, they don't have this tighter window that women have. So it's more looking at 20, 20-ish grams within the 30 minutes after exercise. And men are looking at 2 to 2.3 grams of um, protein per kilogram of body weight a day. Are there any resources or um, any uh, important articles that you can think of that would uh, further reinforce kind of learning about uh, leucine and branched-chain amino acids. Actually, I'm sure it's covered in the book, <laughs> right? It is, and um, there's a huge bibliography at the end of the book for each chapter, so you can go find the science resources. But an easy, easy thing to do is look up um, Stu Phillips at McMaster, uh, University out of Canada, because he's doing a lot of research right now into protein, types of protein, leucine. He's written a really a uh, couple of really good reviews in the past year. So if you just Google him, um, Stuart Phillips, McMaster University, uh, it'll come up with a whole long list of different reviews and review topics um, 
that are really easy to read and beneficial. Excellent. I'll see if I can find links to those. And if, if I find them, I'll put, uh, put them in the show notes for this episode. So All right. I can also send you some too, if you, if yeah. you'd rather. That'd be great. That'd be great. Sure. And I rarely, if ever, ask this question, but since we're talking a lot about uh, protein and, uh, and whey protein, uh, since you, you seem to favor that, is there a particular brand, a high-quality protein that, that you prefer? When people ask you what protein do you recommend, wh- what do you say? I get that question a lot. So, Yeah, so um, being in the food industry for quite a few years – I've learned a lot about what goes into food and food processing and what can and cannot be on the label. Um, And I always default to three countries, three origins, and that's either um, the Netherlands, New Zealand, or Ireland to get your dairy-type proteins. Uh, You want a a high-quality whey isolate or hydrolyzed whey that comes from one of those three countries because then you're guaranteed that it's non-GMO, it's not processed with MSG, there's no hormones, there's no fillers, anything like that. Um, so ironically, when I was in the States, I found uh, CanadianProtein.com has a really fantastic high-quality grass-fed New Zealand whey isolate that's unflavored, unfiltered. And it dissolves in everything really quickly. There's nothing in there that you wouldn't know about. Um, so I'm always going for unflavored, uh, low low filler kind of process thing with a whey isolate from either New Zealand, Ireland, or the Netherlands. That's a great answer. And it, it's so important to, to get high-quality protein supplements. I think here in the States, you know, you look at uh, – what's on the shelves in a lot of these nutrition stores and they're not products I feel comfortable taking myself, <laughs> you know, so I'm pretty right. selective about, about proteins. So, right. uh, that's, that's some really good advice there. So, and I have the added, um, added stress for me of, I get professional athletes asking me for recommendations. And if I recommend something and they test positive, then it comes back on me and my reputation. Yeah. yeah. So I <laughs> vet everything. I look and see, is it NSF certified? What's in it? So I do a lot of investigation for any product. Now, since we are talking about uh, supplementation, are there other uh, key supplements that you recommend for athletes? So branched chain amino acids, whey protein, high quality whey protein, I should say. Are there maybe a couple others that are really essential for most people? Um, across the board, vitamin D. But other than that, I look at you know individual. What are you doing? What phase of training are you, are you in? Uh, what kind of training block are you in? What kind of event is coming up? And then it becomes super specific. Have you found any uh, vitamin D insufficiency? issues with uh, people that you work with? I'm, I'm just curious. And I have seen some stats that the the, uh, the numbers are pretty high, maybe surprisingly high for vitamin D insufficiency. Do you tend to see that? Yes, vitamin D and magnesium across the board. And in winter, both are, are higher than in summer. Now, you mentioned something earlier about, I want to go back to the uh, low-carb diet not being good for a female athlete. So can, can you go back, and I want to make sure that I understand the point there, and is there a certain time point when low-carb is, is not beneficial? 
Um, so there are sex differences that exist from birth. And part of that is uh, carbohydrate metabolism and how much carbohydrate is needed to keep brain function and endocrine and immunity going. And it becomes very critical at the onset of puberty when you have this divergence of estrogen, progesterone versus testosterone. Um, and women need a minimum of 120 to 130 grams of carbohydrate a day just to keep immune system, endocrine function, and brain function at a, at a healthy level. And men can go catodic and they don't have the same issue. And the reason for that is if we look from an evolutionary standpoint from a, like a, you know, a famine or, or low calorie aspect, <clears throat> it was beneficial for a man to be able to lean up, get stronger, fitter, faster so that they could go out and chase and get the food and bring it back. It was not beneficial for a woman to be able to reproduce and to need a higher calorie intake. So when you get to this low carbohydrate aspect, the body goes back to the biological aspect of, oh, we're in a low, low calorie stance. So what happens is a woman's body becomes, quote, more masculinized, where she gets menstrual cycle dysfunction and or stops menses completely and puts on body fat. And that is back to the, um, the idea of it shouldn't a woman shouldn't be able to have a baby and shouldn't need a lot of calories when there is low calorie in, in low calorie intake for human survival. Um, so this is what happens on low calorie and low carbohydrate diets is that a woman becomes more masculinized, has menstrual cycle dysfunction, and puts on additional body fat. Are you saying that you wouldn't recommend below 120 grams of carbohydrates for for any female, and is that regardless of training level? Yes. This is just baseline health. Okay. To be able to keep your estrogen, progesterone, and DHEA and testosterone working at adequate levels, keep your immunity up, to keep your cognition up, keep your um, lean body mass going, and to keep your body fat down. Do you think that, uh, so you answered that, but I, I want to <laughs> ask another follow up. Maybe between 50 and 100 grams for a short time period to achieve weight loss slash fat loss? Is that, is that ever acceptable? No, because it's going to backlash and you're going to put on more body fat. Okay. And your body's very quick to adapt to that. Within five days, you're going to have this endocrine dysfunction that creates an onset of, of, of body fat storage. And the body becomes very efficient. And once it learns that pathway, it's very easy to fall back into that pathway. And this comes out of like the eating disorder literature where you're looking at metabolic function after recovery. And those individuals that have had anorexia or low calorie intake, um, their baseline metabolic rate is, is about 10 to 15% lower than someone who has never gone through that, even though their, their age and fitness is the same. And their body fat percentage is always elevated no matter what they do. So you want to avoid getting into that pattern and avoid getting into the body learning that pattern if you want to maintain a higher baseline metabolic rate and reduce the stimulus to put on body fat. Now, what about an athlete, let's say, again, a strength athlete training at a high level, let's take a Olympic weightlifter, for example, would she need to eat more carbohydrates. So above, I think you said the guideline was 120 to 150. Um, 120, 130. 120, 130. I'm sorry. Would you advocate more carbohydrates 
to build more muscle for a higher level strength athlete? Yes. The baseline minimum for someone who is doing high level strength training, um, such as what we're talking about, Olympic lifting and, and, you know, really intense is three grams of carbohydrate per kilogram of body weight a day. Yeah. So the the training, the the reason I'm asking this is because training really makes a huge difference. Huge difference. yeah. Yeah. Okay. But if it was, if we were talking about uh, an endurance athlete, then that carbohydrate gram per kilogram body weight goes up to four and a half. So it's going to depend on sport, training, duration, intensity, yeah, all, all those things. Yeah, absolutely. What uh, What do you think are the biggest myths and misconceptions around women and and fitness, or women in training? I should say. Are there some really big, obvious uh, misunderstandings you think that are out there? Yeah, there's so many. <laughs> I don't know where to start. <laughs> um, I guess the big, biggest one is that women and men need to train the same. Um, that women can do the same kind of intensity program that a man can. But for the biggest biggest mistake that I've seen in younger coaches is they try to put them on the same program. And women need a longer time between high-intensity program for actual recovery. We don't have as many uh, enzymatic uh, activation as men do for that high intensity. So what I mean by that is like you could have a high intensity, a, a hit session on a Monday and a man could go back Tuesday, Wednesday and do the same kind of intensity and not have any issues as long as they're, you know, paying attention to their recovery nutrition and stuff. But a woman couldn't, she really needs that extra day in between to get that intensity, get that recovery. Um, it's just a longer time for high intensity. And I see it across the board where women will start following the same program. And then within three weeks is, has this deadened fatigue and just has the symptoms of like just on the onset of overtraining, overreaching where the guy is flourishing on it. So it's really paying attention to what kinds of intensities you're doing and, and, and really making sure that you're recovering properly between it. Um, and then the other one, I guess, that comes up quite a bit is the amount of protein that a woman needs. Um, and this, you know, chocolate milk campaign of chocolate milk is this great recovery drink, but it's too high in carbohydrate and too low in protein for a woman. And the last one, I guess, is uh, there's a larger population of older women who are training at high intensity as they're entering menopause, perimenopause. And there's a whole different level of nutrition that's needed for women after their estrogen and progesterone stop fluctuating. So women need to focus more on power training and um, power intervals, lower carbohydrate, higher protein because of the way the body changes in response to this drop in estrogen and progesterone. Can you expand on that a little bit? Why power training? Um, Estrogen kind of works like testosterone and it regulates muscle cell development. Um, but it also can either attenuate or when you start having all these crazy fluctuations of estrogen can contribute to body fat. Um, so when we're looking at at how you can maintain power and muscle development and hypertrophy, uh, with this drop in estrogen progesterone, a woman needs to focus on the neuromuscular development. And this is what I mean by 
stop doing the long, slow distance stuff because that is not a strong enough stimulus to maintain muscle power and muscle adaptation. You need the neuromuscular stimulus of power and plyo to keep the muscle quality. So strength is very important uh, in your approach to health and fitness. Yes. What's the big thing uh, when you look at the book now? What do you hope mm-hmm. that uh, people are going to be able to walk away with this book? What, what's the big uh, concept or idea? Um, I really, really push education. I mean, I'm an educator by heart. And I, I hope it allows women to understand that it's not their fitness and they're not going crazy, that it's actually their physiology that changes the way they feel and the way that they're garnering training adaptations. And not only that, that they're they'd now have a tool to be able to counteract some of these things that have always been the mystery. Um, And then the other hope is that male coaches and male partners who are working with female athletes or trying to support female athletes get a better understanding of what's going on so that there can be this extra 2% that women can have to be able to reach their performance potential. Fantastic. Now, where can, uh, well, the book is going to be available. It is available on Amazon. Is that where you want people to go to to get the book? Uh, yeah, and Barnes and Nobles. Um, they're profiling it as well, so you can walk in the store and, and grab it. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a major accomplishment. Thank you. So where can people connect with you online or find out more about you online? Uh, so, um, I have a Facebook page, Dr. Stacy Sims, uh-huh. and I also have a profile, um, at my new workplace at the Adams Center of High Performance at Waikato University. So those are the two main places. Um, and then, you know, across the board, you can find me in different articles and, and Twitter and that kind of stuff too. Fantastic. Well, it was Dr. Kelly Threat that recommended, uh, that I uh, have you on the show, and I'm so glad that uh, we made this happen because I'm excited to, uh, to dig more into your book. I, I got the PDF file, but as the listeners know on, on this podcast, I prefer to get the hard copies of all the books. I just I like the physical book in my hand. And that's, <laughs> I'm that's the same way. I, read, so. I am the same way. So, Something about opening the book and smelling the page. No question. Yeah, and marking and highlighting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, final question here, and this is a question I ask everybody as we wrap up. What is the one big thing that you'd like the listener to take away from our interview today? Is there something that people can take action with and apply in their training or maybe who they're working or training with? Well, I'm always going to revert to my uh, mantra of women are not small men. If you put that in your head, then you start really uh, being critical and questioning the media that's coming out with information and books that are coming out. Um, so just really paying attention to who you are and what you're doing and your physiology, um, across the board. I love it. That's perfect. Uh, simple, actionable. Stacy, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and, uh, guys, thanks for joining us this week. Please take action and apply something you learned from the show. Be sure to check out Stacy's new book, Roar, which is available in Amazon and at Barnes and Noble. We'll see you next time on the Ardella Training Podcast. Take care. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast this week. And if you'd like to become part of the Ardella Training community, be sure to go to ardellatraining.com forward slash join to get your free training mistakes guide, which contains 12 critical training mistakes I made through the years. I know this 36-page guide will save you time and frustration and accelerate your training results. And it's free. You'll get that and so much more at ardellatraining.com 
forward slash join. Hope to see you there.